Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. So excited to be with you this morning. I hope you are excited about church and what God is going to do in this place. Can I get an amen? Man, it's going to be a good morning, y'all. And I'm excited to bring you uh, some things upcoming in our church uh, but also, I want to just uh, thank you and welcome anyone who's new in the house this morning. Just thank you for being with us. We're excited that you decided to join us and take time out of your Sunday morning to be with us, to worship the Lord. And we would just love to get to know you, whether you're here in person or online. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you would fill out the Connect card on the, uh, on the seat in front of you um, and bring that to our Welcome Center at the end of service, we would love to give you a free gift. And we would love to put that in your hands. Anyone like free gifts? Come on, I think it's coffee. Um, but And I love coffee, so that's always a good gift. So, um, But man, we would just love to get to know you. And if you are online, could you go to vlchurch.com and there's a new here tab and you can fill out that information. Same thing. We would love to get to know you and aren't we better together? We want to do this uh, faith journey together as a church family, and so I'd love to walk that with you. Uh, man, I got a couple things for us this morning, and uh, the first thing is Vacation Bible School. Can you say Vacation Bible School? Come on, y'all. It's going to be such an amazing week. Man, we do it every year. Uh, but instead of saying VBS or Vacation Bible School, we're saying come vacation with us. Can you say Vacation Come on, y'all. It's going to be so good. It's for our kiddos on August 1st through the 5th, 9.30 to noon every day. And um, the theme this year is monumental. And we're celebrating God's greatness. And we all know that God is huge and there's no one like him. And the kiddos, they're going to be able to celebrate God's greatness in all its forms. His hugeness, his love, his grace, his truth, and his power. And uh, we'd love for you to get your kiddos signed up on our website at vlchurch.com. It is on the front page. You can't miss it. And so we'd love for you to, uh, to invite friends and for the kiddos to invite their friends too. I actually don't have the invite up here, but there, uh, see how I pretended there was an invite in my hand? You could just pretend that it's there too. Um, but we have an invite. If you didn't get one on the way in, you can get it on the way out. We'd love to put that in your hands. And there's actually a little space on it where you can even have your kids write an invite to a friend. How cool is that? And so we'd love to partner with you you in that way. Again, register your kids online at vlchurch.com. It's going to be a week to remember for them. And so with that, we're also still recruiting VBS crew leaders. And so if you're interested in this, basically you get to come and hang out with our kids and take them from activity to activity. And really, we would love for you to get to know, to get to know them and for uh, them to get to know you. I think, again, like I said, aren't we better together when we're in relationship with each other as a church? And so I know I got to do it last year, and it was such a special experience. I got to uh, uh, run around with, with all these, these guys, and, and it was just like insanity, but it was so much fun. And, but now I, get to, I know their names. I get to uh, see them in the halls when we're here on Sundays. I get to see them in the, church, in the life of the church, and it's so amazing. And so I'd love for you to be able to have that uh, same experience as well. And so you can sign up at the VBS table in the South Lobby or online at blchurch.com. 
Well, that's all the announcements I have for you this morning. If you came to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, uh, we want to thank you for doing so. You could do that in a few different ways. You could do that online at vlchurch.com. You can also do a text to give, and you can give on your way out in person this morning. Well, speaking of worship, can we just stand to our feet and get ready and ready our hearts to worship God, to give him praise? Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done in our lives, Lord Jesus. This, this morning, will we remember the moments you have been faithful in our lives, Lord Jesus? Even uh, in the moments where we may not always be faithful, God, you are always faithful. And Lord, we want to worship you and honor you with our praise. And Lord, would you feel honored and feel loved this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship him together this morning.
worthy. We're going to continue to sing of his goodness this morning. He's been faithful. He's been good in our land. And we're going to declare it together. I believe that the blood of Jesus still washes. Oh, I believe that the blood of Jesus still washes white as snow. I believe that the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole. I believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away that stone. I believe, I believe, I believe. And as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in.
than faithful. That's why we sing of it. Remember last week when Pastor Matt had us move around the room and sing it to the daughters and sing it to the sons. The Bible demands that we do that for our children, that we tell of his goodness and what he's done. And he has been good. He has been faithful. We all have a story to tell. So don't keep it inside. Sing it out. Sing it out. I've seen your goodness in the land I'm living in. And I'll see it wherever I go. It's such a true song. And what's even more cool in that song, and I don't know how many of you, this is just a little tangent here. I don't know how many of you or when the last time was that any of you ever bowed before the Lord. Some of you, you it was yesterday. Some of you, it was today. Some of you have never done that. But when you bow before the Lord, it's such an act of humility and such an act of submission that he raises you up in that strength. When you bring him your needs, your faults, your failures, he honors that. I encourage you, try it sometime. In your private time, go to your knees and see what the Lord does in that submission. That's a side tangent. My brother's not here today, so he can't get me for that. It's a little bonus. Try bowing before him. See what he does. It's awesome. It's awesome what the Lord can do when you bow before him. But this morning, we have a reason to bow, and that's because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus came to this earth, and he bore our sins on the cross so that we could continually, day after day, rise in confidence, knowing that we are covered by his blood. So let's thank him for his blood and worship him for that this morning. my place 
Father God, I'm reminded of when you told Moses, what do you want from me, Moses? And Moses said, I want to see your glory, Lord. And you said to him, 
I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and you will see my glory. I pray right now, God, that everyone in this room would continue to experience your goodness. Psalm 23 says, For the goodness of God will follow me all the days of my life. I pray that each person in this room would feel that especially strong right now in this moment. May they feel your goodness because of your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Well, good morning. Great to see you. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to uh, bring the message this morning. Pastor Matt is out on vacation, and uh, may I encourage you to pray for him and his family that they would have a good and blessed time uh, during, during these next few weeks as they're enjoying uh, their family uh, together. Um, also, I know it's my responsibility at this time to allow our young disciples to get up and make their way down the hallway. If you are relatively new here and you have a young one, K through six, that would like to go hear a message on their level, they can leave at this time and you can accompany them and see where they're going and then make your way back down for a message uh, on your level. Um, are my sunglasses, are my glasses looking like they're sunglasses or, or am I good? Okay, no, the, the lights just came up. Thank you very much. I wonder what was going on there. Awesome. Well, if you'd like to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to be looking at the last part of Matthew 25 as we continue in this series um, on essential trust. You know, the last several weeks, Pastor Matt has been talking about the fact that God is always trying to build essential trust uh, in his people, people like you and I. And I think we've also learned that God always uh, comes through. Uh, the Bible is one example after another, is it not, of how God comes through on behalf of his people and proves himself faithful, often, often beyond expectation. Even when we feel like sometimes that he's expecting us to trust him in new ways, uh, he comes through. Uh, one of the stories that Matt preached on a couple of weeks ago was the story of the prophet Elijah who had to trust God to bring him a meal. And as you may recall, uh, God told him, there's going to be a bird that's going to land on a tree and he's going to bring you food. And that's exactly what happened. And then a couple of weeks ago, we learned about a widow who had no food and she took her, or had no resources, had no money. Uh, she had just a few coins to scrape together and she put the last of her resources, the last few coins into the offering and that's what she gave, and she entrusted herself to God, and he certainly came through. Recently, I heard of a cartoon that showed a fourth-grade boy standing toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose with his teacher, and behind the both of them was a blackboard covered with math problems that the boy uh, hadn't finished. And in the image, uh, the boy says to the teacher, I'm not an underachiever, teacher, you're just an over-expector. <laughs> well, sometimes when it comes to God, we might at times feel like that boy 
especially when God is trying to build our trust in him. We might feel like an underachiever. You just ex- he just expects way too much. But for those of you that feel like you underachieve, I include myself very, very much in that category, especially when it comes to developing essential trust with, God, with what God puts into our hands. I think that you'll receive some encouragement from this story that we're going to look at in Matthew 25 that is known as the parable of the talents. Now, raise your hand in this room if you've ever heard of the parable of the talents. Most of you probably have. Some of you might have Bibles where it says the parable of the bags of gold, but that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I think you're going to be able to see that in God's kingdom, when he explains it in this passage of Scripture, in his reality and in his realm, there is unmatched reward, or excuse me, unmatched return that also comes with a reward if we're just willing to trust him. And so today, the three main ideas that are on the screen there for you that I'd like to focus on in this passage of Scripture are these, the, three, the reality of God's kingdom, the return within God's kingdom, and the reward of God's kingdom. First, let's look at the reality of God's kingdom. We're going to kind of just uh, break this apart a little bit, and we're going to look at the first verse as we focus on this first idea, the reality of God's kingdom. Look at what it says. Jesus defines reality in God's kingdom. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants in and entrusted to them his property. So when Jesus says, it will be like, the it that he's referring to here is God's kingdom. Uh, For example, in Matthew 25, verse 1, Jesus begins this entire chapter by talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's on the screen for you there. It says, then the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, He says, it will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, in that story, Jesus is talking about a bride coming back for his bridegroom and and how important it is to always uh, be ready. And so then Jesus in this passage that we're going to look at today is going to be talking about reality in God's kingdom. And he's going to begin by talking about how he gives us a part of God's kingdom to manage. And he gets a little bit more specific with how this actually works. So let's read verse 14 again with verse 15. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, we've already read that, who called his servants in and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, as you can likely assume, when Jesus refers to the master, he's referring to himself. And those of us who follow him are his servants when he talks about servants in this passage. So he's he's the one as the master making investments in his servants. God is making investments in people like you and I and he's rolling the dice on us. He's putting these talents into our hands, and he's saying, you manage these resources that I've given to you. Kind of amazing to think about it, isn't it? Kind of scary also. 
This is the reality in God's kingdom that Jesus is explaining in Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. But let's talk a little bit more about these talents. Uh, Because typically when we think about talents, we think about abilities and skills. But Bible scholars say that when Jesus used the word talent, it means so much more than skills and abilities. For example, as I mentioned just a moment ago, some of your Bibles might say, this is the parable of the bags of gold. Does anybody have a Bible that says that? Usually it's the NIV version. Well, uh, the reason for that is because Bible experts believe that it's entirely appropriate to see these talents not only as just uh, abilities and skills, but as life resources. So these talents that Jesus refers to could be things like time that you have or money, as we've already mentioned, opportunity that may come your way, or authority like positions of leadership that God puts into your life. So in other words, Jesus is saying God grants us these things and gives us the managing duties over them. And so the concept of a talent is a symbolic representation of something so much more. It's a loaded term. It's a loaded concept concept when Jesus uses it. And what's also really important to know actually was how loaded these servants were with these resources that Jesus put into their hands as far as this story is concerned. Because the value of a talent during Jesus' day was enormous. It wasn't small. It was rather substantial. Um, Some calculate that one talent was equal to 20 years' worth of wages for the common worker. Another expert said that it would be worth almost $1.4 million today. So the person with two talents, if you could do the math really quick, uh, had almost $3 million in their hands. A person with five talents had almost $10 million. So that's a multimillionaire from the start. So Jesus is saying that he puts a lot into our hands to manage and oversee. I remember about 10 to 15 years ago when I held $42,000 in my hands. My wife and I had just sold our first home, and we bought a foreclosure and fixed it up for two and a half years, and then we sold it, and because of how much value it had accrued over the course of those couple of years and because of how nice we made it, we made a significant amount of cash. And so we held this $40,000 check in our hands, and when I had that kind of money in my hands, I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? I know we have a responsible plan with this $40,000. But what about this? Instead of paying off debt, instead of putting it down on our home, what if we went on a two-week vacation to Europe, totally paid for? She said, you're crazy. I said, okay, well, what about this? We could go to the local, you know, um, uh, auto place and get a brand new car. You and I have never had a brand new car. We could walk up and we could pay cash. How about that? How does that sound? She said, I still think you're crazy. I said, okay, well, what about this? We live in Texas. The average temperature during the month of July is 105. Let's put a pool in our backyard. She said, I still think you're crazy. 
I said, okay, one more try. You know I like to work out. You know I like to go to the gym. I'm getting old, and I need supplements to give me energy. Could I maybe purchase some health supplements, some energy supplements for the next 10 years so that I can be energetic and stay in good shape? She said, I think you're even crazier. Well, then she actually looked at me, and she said, I just want to sit you down and talk to you. We can't spend this money on anything that we didn't plan for. She said, we just went through this Dave Ramsey course at church, Financial Peace University, and we need to stick to this plan. We need to pay off debt, and we need to put a significant portion of money down on our house. Now, I can't tell you in that moment, maybe for the first time and last time in my life, that I had a little bit of hatred towards my wife (laughs) and Dave Ramsey as well. Because I wanted to spend that $42,000 on other things, but because of the wisdom that she had and because of the wisdom that we had acquired through that course, we followed through with a responsible plan. But I struggled to spend it responsibly. Would you struggle with the same thing if you had that kind of resource in your hands? Would you struggle? Well, this is the reality that Jesus is explaining to us in this parable of the talents. These servants, people like you and I, according to him, in his kingdom have amazing resources. And he has some expectations for us with these resources that he puts into our hands. And his expectation is to actually see a return on these investments that he makes into our lives, which leads to our next main idea in this story, the return within God's kingdom. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So these two servants obviously did very well. They had a 100% return on their talents. They doubled their money. Now, we don't know exactly what they did with the resources that they had. The only thing that we know is that it says there in the Bible that they put their money to work. In fact, it says they went at once. It was almost immediate action. And now, if you look at other translations of the Bible, for example, the New Living Translation, it says the one with five talents began to invest the money, and the one with two talents just simply went to work. Another version actually says that they went immediately and they traded with their money and they made a 100% return. The point here is these servants, they took action. They weren't driven by fear and they had a huge return on what their master entrusted to them. And so Jesus is making a point here about what God wants to see happen in us with what he's given to us. And here's the thing I think we can't miss. When you do what God wants with what he has given you, he will at the very least, at the very least, make it double in its capacity and also its impact. But it is dependent upon something. Because remember, Jesus said, this is what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus wanted to convey that when we use the resources he has given us within his kingdom, for his kingdom, there will be a 100% return. 
Now, that's an amazing promise, don't you think? A 100% return. I did some research this week on returns on investments that we typically make in, in the kingdom of this world, in this world. And I went to a, a website known as bankrate.com. Anybody ever heard of bankrate.com? I did a lot of different searches, and this was the one that seemed to be the most reliable. This is what they said about average annual returns on these different kinds of things that we invest in. The average annual return on stocks is 16.63%. It's pretty good. The average annual return on international stocks is just under half of that, 7.3%. The average annual return on bonds is 3%. The average annual return on real estate, I know I have some realtors in the house, is 11.7%. It's a really good investment. And the average annual return on CDs is 0.40%. Pretty good. So I did some math on the average of all these investments, and the overall average return is right at 7.8%. Not bad. At least you have some kind of return over the course of one year on these investments that you might make. But when you compare that with the, with the investments that the servants experience, this is how it looks. You should see it on the screen. In the kingdom of God, when you invest in the kingdom, there is a 100% return versus when you invest in things of this world, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. I have a lot of investments in this world, just a few actually. There's about a 7.8% return. The difference between the two is over 90%. And when you see that difference, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. This is rhetorical. Which one is a better investment? Where do you get a better bang for your buck? When you factor in years and also eternity into this comparison, I think we can begin to appreciate the value of using what we have for the sake of kingdom investments because it always equates to a much better return. I think that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where there is a 100% return, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, kingdom returns last longer and they're much larger. This is why I love this series on essential trust because God's promise of return is so much more. And I think when we begin to understand this, we begin to realize that God may overexpect because he always overdelivers. And I think it's safe to say that Jesus is illustrating this important point with these servants who put their resources to work in the kingdom because he loves to see his people take risks within the kingdom. He loves to see them bet the whole farm on his kingdom and to see us trust him to pay dividends back because that's exactly what he did. He gave his best. 
He risked everything when he gave his life for you. The Bible actually tells us that when he laid down his life, that he could have used all of his resources to prevent himself from having done so, from having to do so. But he instead expended all of his resources because he knew the return on investment would ultimately be your soul. See, God is a risk taker, and he wants to build risk in you to build trust in you because the return is so huge. But he does offer a cautionary tale within this story because it isn't that simple. We just invest in God's kingdom, and it's just a happy story thereafter. There is one servant that didn't invest their resources in the right way. Look at verse 18. It says, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And you have to kind of jump down to verses 24 and following to hear what happened. Look at what happened to this servant. It says, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I weep, reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. So then you should have just invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who I have given the ten talents to. Whoa, that is serious. This servant got no return on the investment made in him. In fact, what he had was taken from him, which was quite a contrast to the first two servants. Now, let's consider something about this one talent man. Why do you think he hid his talent? One writer said that it might have been because he was comparing himself to the two-talent and five-talent person. He said maybe he felt a little bit inferior when he didn't have as much value as the others. And I have to be honest with you, I, I kind of understand that feeling. Uh, when I went off to college, I was a new Christian many years ago, and uh, I went to a Christian college, Kentucky Christian in eastern Kentucky, and I studied Bible and ministry. And when I started to meet people, I began to feel very inferior and ashamed of my lack of biblical knowledge. Because all my classmates and all my friends, they could quote Scripture. They would tell youth group stories of growing up in a church. They had been in Bible bowls and won all these competitions. Many of them were leaders on campus. And there I was, a new Christian. I didn't know anything. I was just there to learn. I felt very small and ashamed. And to be honest with you, I remember doubting the decision that I made to study Bible in a Christian college because I lacked so much. In fact, I almost left that college because I didn't feel like I belonged, and I suppose I felt a lot like this one-talent servant. I was just tempted to leave and go and hide. You see, sometimes it's scary to think about being used by God and being used of God, and we would just prefer God to take what we have 
and to give it to someone else to use. That's what I felt like. I remember hearing a story of a pastor going into a hospital to pray for one of his parishioners, and she wasn't doing well. She was in a lot of pain. So he kind of half-heartedly prayed for this woman, and as soon as he got done with the prayer, she sat up in her bed, put on her shoes. She hugged the pastor, and he was kind of surprised by it. She said, she said, thank you, pastor. I'm healed. I'm well. So he kind of left the room sort of awkwardly, went out to get into his car, and before he turned the key, he had another little prayer himself, and he said to God, dear God, don't ever do that to me again. You see, sometimes it's a great temptation to not want to be used of God with what he's given us. Because we might look at it and think, it doesn't matter if I say this little prayer or give this little thing. Nothing will happen when I do it. Well, listen, there is no greater lie, my friends. The enemy of God will try to deceive you into thinking that what you give doesn't matter. But remember, when you do give, the promise of return within God's kingdom is a 100% return. Even if it's only the equivalent of one talent, it still holds a lot of value in the kingdom, and you have to give it. In fact, the return in God's kingdom reality is much greater because of its eternal impact, which leads to our last idea this morning, which is the reward. The reward is... In God's kingdom. Look at verses 19 and following. It says this Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And once again, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, to me, this sounds like the master adds something to their return. And we already know that the master provides a 100% return on their investment. But there is a reward here that is both given, that is given to both of these servants that goes beyond the return. The master says to both, enter into the joy of your master. So what this implies is that their work was influential in bringing people to enjoy his kingdom. Remember, when Jesus opened up this conversation, it was all about the kingdom of heaven. And so the big message in the entire chapter is all about heaven. In fact, the big mission of the entire life of Jesus was paving the way to heaven. And I think the parable of the talents is to a very significant extent all about how these servants used what the master gave them to get people to heaven. And so here in this last part of this parable, Jesus is painting a picture that he is saying will be shown to them when they enter into his joy 
all based on how they used the resources that he gave them. And someday he's saying he will reward you by acknowledging with what you, what you did with what he gave you. That is why he said to these servants, someday it will be said to you, well done. Well done. So I imagine someday he'll pull us aside and say, you know, when you gave of your resources to my kingdom, it mattered. And he will say, now I want to show you the reward. This is part of the joy you get because of what you gave. And I imagine, you know, when Pastor Marlon Skifstad got to heaven 10 to 15 years ago, he got a view of his reward. I imagine the Lord Jesus saying to him, look at Victory Life Church. You labored not in vain. That body of believers is your reward. Well done, Marlon. And I imagine he'll pull some of you aside and he'll say, you know, when you sowed into my kingdom, when you gave of your resources, it paved the way for individuals that you prayed for to get here. And not only those individuals, but it led to those individuals' families and the generations that would come after them. I often think about what it was like for the person that influenced uh, my faith in Christ, who went to be uh, with the Lord about four years ago. His name was Louis Weber. He was from Wauseon, Ohio. I imagine him getting to heaven and the Lord Jesus pulling him aside and saying, hey, Louis, come here. I want to show you something. You know that guy, Otto? You know that guy that gave you so much grief, gave you so much trouble, And I imagine Louis saying, yes, Lord, I wondered if anything I ever did really was ever making any difference whatsoever. And I imagine the Lord Jesus saying, Louis, no, you don't understand. It made a huge difference because it wasn't just about him. It was also about his family, his cousins, his aunts and uncles, his grandfather, all those that will come after them. This is your reward, Louis. Well done. You see, God wants to build essential trust in what we give, not only because of how he will provide in this world, but also because of the impact it will have and the reward we will receive because of it. When you give, The reward is that you get to take more people with you. That's the reward. I love how the Apostle Paul puts this in 2 Corinthians 9. It's on the screen for you. He says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. And then watch what Paul says in verse 10. I love this. He says, Now he, referring to God, who plies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed. And watch this last phrase. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Isn't that amazing? You know what he's saying? 
He's saying when you give, when you sow generously, the net effect of your giving will equate to an increase in your eternal impact. Because when you give, there is something spiritual happening in the kingdom. God moves your heart to give because it has spiritual implications for the people around you. Each and every time you give, it matters. Your harvest is growing. The impact you are having is enlarged. Even if you only begin with one little talent, take action with what you can do. I close with this story. One day there was a man walking along the beach, and he noticed a boy picking up and gently throwing things back into the ocean. And he approached the boy, and he said, young young boy, what what are you doing? He says, "I'm, I'm throwing starfish back into the ocean. He said, the surf is up, and the tide is going out. And if I don't throw them back, they're going to die. The man laughed to himself and kind of had a smug look on his face. And he said, do you realize that there are miles of beach and hundreds of starfish? You can't possibly make any difference. Well, it kind of stunned the boy, and he kind of listened politely. But then he just kind of shrugged his shoulders, and the boy bent down again, picked up another starfish, threw it into the ocean, and he looked at that old man, and he said, made a difference for that one. And then he picked up another one, threw it into the ocean, looked at the old man again and said, made a difference for that one. And the old man looked at him and said, you got a point. And he walked away. My friends, don't let the voice of naysayers convince you that your giving doesn't matter. Don't let the enemy of God whisper in your ear and say, What you give could never make a difference. Don't listen to it. Listen to the voice of Jesus in this parable. His message to you is this. The kingdom reality has an unmatched return that comes with a reward someday. A reward that he will someday show you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the parable of the talents. Thank you for the truths that it teaches us about your kingdom, kingdom reality that we all need to be reminded of. It's very hard to live by these principles because we live in a fallen and broken world that doesn't buy into this stuff. But I pray that you would anoint and endow and give us hearts of faith to believe what we learn today that when we sow into your kingdom, it has a 100% return and it also enlarges our impact into eternity. Help us to trust that, help us to believe that, and help us to live by it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as is our custom, we usually have a time for folks to respond to what you've just heard. And so I'd like to ask with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if any of you feel a tug on your heart this morning to respond to what you heard or what you've experienced, the presence of God in this place, we want to give you a chance to do so. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask if there are two different types of people in the room this morning. The first type of person 
is someone that might feel a tug on your heart to trust God and for his return on investment into his kingdom. You have resources and you've just held back for whatever reason. It's unknown. There might be uncertainty. There might be anxiety. But for whatever reason, you've held back and you haven't trusted God's return on your investment into his kingdom. That's the first category. The second category is that some of you feel like the one talent guy. And you've just hidden what you could give because you believe it doesn't matter. So if you fit one of these two categories with all eyes closed and heads bowed, can I ask you to raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody feel that way this morning? You just need to trust God's return on investment. You feel like the one talent person this morning. Anybody at all? I want to pray for you. Father God, I ask that you would just supernaturally build trust in our hearts. I pray for those who need to trust the return on investment within the kingdom of God. We indeed have so many competing interests in this world that sell us on the value of their ideas. But may you strengthen and build the faith of those who want to believe that your return will not come back void, that it will come back 100%. That's the promise from this story. I also pray for those who feel like a one-talent person this morning. Help them not to believe the voices that try to convince them that what they have to give doesn't matter. It matters so much. I pray that you would just inflate their hearts with faith to believe that what they have could make an eternal difference for years, centuries, and millennia to come. So help us to just be the people who use what you've given us to someday see that reward in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to church this morning. Can we stand today? And as we do so... Might I encourage you to enjoy that cooler weather today, because I think it's going to get warmer later on this week. But uh, have a great rest of the balance of your day. And on that note, can we close with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for teaching us this morning. Help us to take what we've learned and put it into practice, that we might be people who trust you with all of what we have, that you might make our path straight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.